0: Chicago, Chicago, I'll show you around. The corner was our magic, our music, our
1: politics. Fires raised as tribal dancers and war cries broke out of different corners. Power to the people and safe
2: Maybe we could start again.
1: Greetings, Chicago. Welcome back to the Chicago Sunnyside Podcast. This is episode two. I'm one of your hosts, Kasabez Makma,
2: And I'm Jisarita Tabasa, filling in for...
1: Oh, no, don't, don't say fill it in. Well, you, you might be on here anytime, so don't don't mark yourself down. It's just okay. a sub.
2: Okay. okay.
1: She, she's reluctant, but she we done roped her in. She can't get away from us now.
2: I'm supposed to be on the other side of this camera. But we'll we'll go with this for now.
1: She's all in. Like she's all in. Trust me. So yeah, we're getting ready to get started, and we are very excited for this episode. We will be talking to Patrick Woodsor, aka Singbay, or should I say Singbay, aka Patrick Woodzer, the founder of the Africa International House, which is the organization that puts on the illustrious African Festival of the Arts annually here in Chicago washington park which is coming up labor day weekend thirty september. fourth year 34th year yes man yes so it's going to be the first of september to the fourth which is labor day labor day weekend so yeah we're excited as always the earth center is going to be there and we're going to have our uh, comedic culture pavilion uh set up we'll be doing talks and um and uh making sure that uh you guys get your african education not just artifacts but actual information cultural reference points and all this so we're excited we have we have a lot of good things lined up for you also my guy tj crawford who you may or may not have heard of but he's been a a heavyweight in the community for many years literally and figuratively he's he's actually helping to put together like a hip-hop like a hip-hop performances and a panel discussion they're bringing out dead presence i just found this out today dead
2: prez wow. is coming out wow yeah that's great news I, I may be joining you so we may even have to just make it happen with other folks but you all make sure you come
1: yeah, well, yeah. Come, come to see dead presence and us
2: and us most importantly yes they
1: think that last year I, I snuck away to see swv mm-hmm. i got back they was mad at mm-hmm. and he wants to see They was we breaking down the Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, how is your week going?
2: It's going really good. It's that fast. I cannot believe we're at the end of the week, but yeah, it's just been crazy busy.
1: Yeah, yeah, this sister, she wouldn't tell you, but she just she's on the heels of a a very good lecture that she gave at DuSable Museum.
2: We uh, last were Saturday. Yeah, very exciting topic. We were very excited to give it at DuSable Museum. And if you haven't seen them or heard them, we have, what, one more lecture coming up? Yeah. That you must attend because this will be provided by our own heads menu. And if you have not given that any thought or consideration, it'll be fabulous for you to come out. The entire lecture series for the summer was on the decolonization of the mind, And we really don't talk about that much. Mm-hmm. Decolonization so much, but is something that's so very relevant for everyone because it affects not only the people who have been colonized, but the colonizer as well. So these lecture topics have been very on point and everybody's benefited from it. So make sure you come to the next lecture
1: September
2: 9th at 12 o'clock.
1: Yes, 12 o'clock p.m. Yeah, I'm really excited that the mental decolonization really goes into what Brother say was talking about during our interview, but we'll get back to that in a second. The next topic we have is recently,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's less probably publicized. A lot of people probably heard, but I'm going to go, and go ahead and say probably a lot of people haven't heard about the things happening in Africa lately in terms of the military coups going on in West Africa. Most recently, Nigeria, however you want to say it. They had a coup d'etat where the military palace guards of the, of the president or should presidential guard or something mm-hmm. like that, basically the equivalent of the se- secret service, yeah, se- the secret service actually captured and imprisoned the president and uh, took over the country. Now, the interesting part about that now is like, first of all, this is like the fourth country in the region that's had this type of thing go thing happen. And interestingly enough, in all these countries, it's not like the people are out in the street, rioting, trying to say, we want our president back. We want our president back there. Everyone's like, no, we didn't like the guy. We don't want the guy. You guys are, the military's doing the right thing. You don't see people fighting, fighting. Talking and protesting and all of this, you don't hear it in the news, you don't know, see it in the media, or whatever. Now, the interesting part is these are like supposedly democratic, ele- uh, the democraticly elected presidents, mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day, the people don't want them. And what's what's making it so hypocritical is now like the Western countries of France, the United States, is is saying and and they're right, like pressuring the other so-called democracies in, in West Africa to say we need to restore democratic order. But how is a democratic disorder when the people have gone about their lives as normal and they're happy with what just happened?
2: Absolutely. And that's where it's interesting because to me, like this is a real fight. This is a real battle. This is something that people can actually or should be wrapping their... Minds, hearts, thoughts about this type of thing versus this Montgomery brawl. <laughs> this is something that really affects us on so many levels. Is this whole notion of you have a, po- uh, a coup taking place and the people are for it? So, how is this something that's wrong if the people are standing for it and they're saying we didn't want this person in place, which automatically, at least in my mind, says that he was put into office anyway by some other forces? So now that he's out, just let it play out the way that it's supposed to. Allow the democratic process to continue as it is supposed to do. But as we can see, now you've got these quote unquote higher powers coming in saying, well, it's supposed to go this way or we need it to go that way. Which already just goes to show that all of this is under somebody else's authority, basically.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, it's really all about. France being kicked out of multiple West African countries, which basically is why like the lifeline of uh, France, how you can say European countries have all this great healthcare benefits mm-hmm. and college, free college tuition, free healthcare, and all these social benefits is really because they're welfare states that are leeching off of African countries or different former colonies that they have whether it's England, Spain, France, what have you, Belgium. <laughs>
2: well, it's really a beautiful thing in my mind to see this taking place because it is at least showing that the people are standing up and, and making their voice heard and, and saying, like it's time for these powers to leave our country and let us rule, let us run our societies the way we see fit. It's, it's
1: good to see... I just want to see the best come out of it moving forward, but we're going to see how it goes. Yes,
2: keep your eyes and ears tuned into that. If you haven't seen this debate, if you haven't seen these discussions, plug in and uh, and get engaged in this process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. These are the countries like a lot of people never even heard of. You probably heard of Niger, but you probably you probably a lot of people ever heard of Burkina Faso is neighbor, yeah. neighbor to the west. We both have homes there. and People, uh, okay, t- you
2: live in Burkina Faso, like, they're like, where is, what is that?
1: They don't know if it's a country, a city, or what. They don't know what it is.
2: Is it on this planet,
1: right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what continent is, yeah. on, is it on? They don't know. So I have to say, it's right by Ghana. And they're like, hmm. And I always have to wonder, like, I wonder if they really even know where Ghana is. Right, right. But that's that's why it's people West Africa, have to- everybody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> Africa, everybody.
1: That's it. Yes. Anyway, so... I think we're going to move on, right? Yeah, yeah, let's move on. And it's a perfect time to go to the lake. Speaking Mm -hmm. of nature and being in harmony with nature, we have a great feature of this city that we, many of us don't take full advantage of, which Mm -hmm. is the lake. The lake is not only like a big body of water, but it's a a spiritual entity. It's a power of nature that we can kind of just benefit by being in its presence. In other words, Mm -hmm. just going to the lake, putting your feet in the water, Kind of help us rebalance and harmonize
2: ourselves. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And and even if you can't get to the lake, which if you're in Chicago, everybody should be able to. Just going outside and doing that same thing that you're talking about, getting co- in communication with the natural order of things, the nature, the trees, the the birds, the bees, the f- all the natural habitats that it, that it may be in your own backyard. Go and just take your shoes off. Put your feet on the ground, not on concrete, but literally in some grass, in some rocks, in some dirt, in some sand. You will really benefit just energetically. You can feel your body already getting back into harmony when you do that.
1: Absolutely, and with it being August now, and the kids are back in school, it's a great time to go and mm-hmm. uh, get our feet in the weather. Water. <laughs> it's a little bit warmer now than mm-hmm. it is in June, and plus, you won't be having kids being in there.
2: Did you freaking pee in it there? Yeah,
1: they do that. Go on. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh! It's probably
1: adults doing the same doggone thing, thing. Uh, look, baby, let's go with a quiet time. You'll be there by yourself. Nature refreshes itself. It's yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I went to the lakefront yesterday, and I hate to put this out there, but it's just my thing. I'm I'm almost, am more welcoming to the forest fires than the whole smelling like marijuana just at every point. I am just like, why is this like the norm now? It's right. just like you can't go anywhere where you just don't smell weed all the time. Yeah. It's just like you used to get a whiff of it here and there, but it's just like a constancy. And it's like no one has any like reservation about just rolling up like right in front of you. You sit with your children and they're sitting with their yeah. children. And just rolling up like right. like it's nothing. I'm like, oh my yeah, gosh.
1: You smell it coming out of every other car, every, driving down the street. Yeah. Yeah, if you're at the lake, at the park, yeah. It's another kind of burning tree we have to deal with.
2: You're right. So, children going back to school.
1: Children going back to school. Well, uh, we're actually uh, happy. Shameless plug for our next episode. Episode 3, we'll be talking to uh, Baba Sunjada. The principal of Betty International Charter School here in Chicago, one of the first Black-centered schools in mm-hmm. probably the country, mm-hmm. and definitely in the city. Yes. So we're going to be talking about them, their, their ups, their downs, their struggle trying to be in this modern world, trying to have be required to teach the modern academics, but also trying to infuse cultural values and principles in that I used to work there, so I know some of how they function over there. And yeah, we're going to get deeper into that next week. So stay tuned for our next episode. But yeah, school's back in session. And just so you know, public service announcement, don't trust your kids with these schools. If you do have to put your kids in school, remember, it is you, your responsibility as a parent to educate your children. We could go on on education. We will go on on on
2: education
1: next week. Yes. Our sister Stephanie aka Steph Skills. She went to New York for the birthday of hip hop, the fiftieth birthday of hip hop, and she competed in some muraling and graffiti competitions. So she's sent us some some footage, some photos from this.
2: Sounds wonderful.
1: And before before we leave you on that note, we're gonna give you our proverb for the week, which is if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay, we'll <laughs> be right back with Boba Sing
3: We got stuff skills from Chi-Town, Chicago, y'all. Yeah!
2: Cowboy, yeah.
3: do we
1: Welcome. How you are? Okay. It's <laughs> <Yes, that's right. laughs> yeah, It's good to see you again. Okay. Pleasure. Well, we're honored to be here with Baba Singbe, aka Patrick Woodser, the founder of the African Festival of the Arts. <laughs> um, thanks for being here with us. And before we get started, I did want to—I have something for you. So, like two nights ago, my mom was going through her garage, and
0: she she found this. No. Yeah, this from nineteen ninety-four. Nineteen ninety-four. Yeah, it's like this at a field museum.
1: Yep. Yeah, see, so the festival used to be in the field museum. So this is one of the old posters. Yeah. I don't and
0: know. Yeah, you, you? this is Frank Frazier, but then the guy who put it on this fabric, and it was Bobby Blunt. Mm. He did uh, graph, the graph face and put it on this particular material. It's as I, we used this two years in a row, and then we never used this material anymore.
2: What
0: brought you to Chicago? Originally? Today, um, originally. Well, I came to school here in 1976, Northwestern. Okay. And then I met my wife there, my late wife. And we got married, and we didn't intend to live in Chicago. move moved mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. Liberia, where I'm from. And then, unfortunately, we had political issues where there was a military coup which led to a war. And after the coup, we left and came back to Chicago. She was raised in Chicago. So we came back home and then uh, just started finding our way. We didn't intend to stay here, but by destiny, we found ourselves here and managed to stay and, and there's some things. And the festival is one of those things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. By the way, her name is Dr. Dioris Palmer. Ultra. And just to go back, she actually introduced me by way of a education to African art. Mm-hmm. I, I knew art back in Liberia, but I didn't know it. Because you know, I grew up with some of these things around me, mm-hmm. the traditional images, traditional forms, like the, the bundle mask, that mask, glove mask. The male version used to dance in my village, mm. which is Putroma. Putroma is in the, in the old days, we call it kingdom, Sanary kingdom. And my relatives, my brothers, people, they ruled the kingdom for many years. But at that time, the images were sacred images to us. We, we know that it is. people put them in their homes, I call them out, the way We couldn't even go around them or touch those things. Mm -hmm. But then when I came to school, I met my lifeguard. She was, she had been to Africa in the 60s, as part of the something Africa. Fan Africa. No, it'll come to mind. When she was in Africa at the time and bought some images. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I was coming to school, I also brought some images, but they were the contemporary, what I call airport guard, not the... the (laughs) Not the, uh, traditional right? Not the sacred art. And, but then when she showed me some books or how these things would be celebrated and honor as masterpieces from Africa. And some of the books included some passages that, he had that said Picasso. He had studied some of his style from African art. And so I started. Taking that more seriously. Mm-hmm. And when we went back after I was to it, it's definitely even like, bro, we said it, collect things. And that's the basis of my existence today. He's he
2: And what are your thoughts on that difference in perspectives on like the American, the Western view of what we call something very sacred in the traditions, but people will do it, look at it as art and they collect it for hobby so much for the sacred principles of it. And we see even so many of these so-called artistic pieces in the museums and the like. What are your thoughts on it?
0: In one form, I'm happy that Westerners, they have people who like to document. But like <laughs> Africans document their stuff and some of those things are in all books from Ali and Ethiopia. But when it comes to the art form, the sense of preservation was not there. Mm -hmm. It took Westerners to create museums and big houses to store these things. And some of the Westerners who visited Africa took some of those things home and kept them, and now a lot of them are valued as very important mm-hmm. pieces mm-hmm. of art. The downside of that is that they would to credit the culture that those things come from and not the artist. Mm-hmm. So most mm-hmm. traditional art, you don't see the name of an artist. If some of them could read and write their own mm-hmm. culture in their own language, they never documented that on the piece of art because they were I think culminated pieces that were given to them by the spirits. So, in a sense, we lost that, that source of who made this? And when was this made? Why? But it's good for me that Westerners preserve most of them because like in West Africa it's very wet and humid. The things that were celebrating my In my village, the one is ten years in a condition. But the Westerners took them, put them in their home because we kept them out of in a particular hut which was kinda temporary or we kept them in the bush, in the sacred beach where the general population knew never go over there and after a few years they would be just degenerating and fall apart. Either with termite or humidity or just the elements. So, like from my own country, the Dan Mass is very much documented and celebrated. And I saw a record where a mass from Liberia demanded or commanded one of the highest prices when it comes to traditional African. It was over a million or maybe even two million. <laughs> so, in that sense, I appreciate Westerners for preserving. Another downside that wants to follow these things, commands and prices, they introduce an element of stealing. The colonial powers went in there and just took things out of Africa without paying for them. And in modern times, the traders have begun to just steal these and sell them to the West without a really giving credit to the cultures that come from, or the people who hear them, they get nothing out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, And then, nowadays in
1: Liberia, the ceremonies that are done with the masks and the whole reason why the masks are made, is that still being preserved? Or are people still making new masks and doing those same yeah. ceremonies?
0: I've, I've seen some YouTube documentation where people are dancing the mass and celebrating but it, it I don't think it has the same significance or importance or value. as in my days as a kid, I was born nineteen fifty and I saw the mass being danced when I was in the village from that point in time in my memory say five years old or nine years old before I left the village. And so in today's world even is Secret school, they call, called uh, secret societies. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have the same value as when I was a kid. Now, some cultures might just initiate somebody in the name, but not with the same level importance of importance or value. Like for me, when I grew up, uh, and I think it was a break from tradition in, in my time when when I, when I was initiated the fact that they wanted me to go to school, the Western school, they they put me in a secret society or or the secret school just for, I think, a year. Whereas for boys, it sort of spent four years, and for girls, three years. So from that point on, it has diminishing value and importance. And in the old days, the secret society, they the elders all masters who ran it, they ran society. Mm-hmm. they were like the Supreme Court.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They few if there was any capital issue in the in the society mm-hmm. in the surrounding. They came to it, and their words were final. Mm-hmm. If somebody had committed a crime and that person was to be killed, they had the last word. Mm-hmm. but now by the government and Modern courts and Western values have taken over.
1: So how do you think that happened? Because you grew up in the fifties, in the sixties, there's the liberation movements in Africa and uh, taking supposedly the colonizer out of West, out of Africa. So how does it happen? They the culture that's very, very ancient, uh, it hasn't been preserved till today, or maybe not as well
0: preserved? Well, uh, when colonial powers in Africa, from the 1800s to our liberation time in the 60s, Africa was still mostly intact. They penetrated Africa, but when their impact was felt more in the cities you know, along the coast and deep into the interior, of course, we have the history of Congo where they went into the interior to strike rubber and and ivory. Uh, of course, the Germans were in East Africa they, in the interior, but, but the fact is that most of the cultures were intact, and we can blame them for introducing westernization, which kind of began to break down traditional culture. But since the 60s and 70s till now, I think communication has had a bigger impact. And and of course, they are all Western. Now we can sit down here and talk to the people in the bush in Africa. But I think communication has made it more uh, impactful for degrading African culture and value. You mean and like television? Television a- and all that. And, he, and people like me going to school, uh, most people who went to Western school looked down on their traditional culture. They, they took on Western names yeah. and they took on Western values. And it took my late wife freaking me to traditional African art to begin to understand, Oh, I need to decolonize myself because I've been educated as a white man. I was thinking, white? European? White. Sorry. So your wife an American came and showed you like the value of what you're coming from. Right. And through that, I I started respecting the culture. And I never disrespected it because I grew up in it and I was initiated into the secret culture. So that value was there, Uh, but I attach more importance once I got to understand that my mind had been colonized, that I need to look at tradition as a great source of civilization. <laughs> and the fact that we have a, uh, equipment and things to do a lot of different things is a form of civilization that should not be done, looked down upon. I was a kid, I'd never seen shoes but I didn't like walking in the mud or in the dirt, so I started making... I think I might have seen an image of some, some form of shoes where the farmers would take skins and make shoes out of it so that the thongs in the bush don't hurt them. And I started making flanks and tying them around my feet to avoid the thongs and the mud and the wetness. Because it rains a lot in Liberia, uh, and that means that people, I see my beings, we come with a gift from far beyond that we don't really understand. You don't have to go to a particular training to imagine and make things of the imagination, and that's what civilization is. Just that the Westerners have taken it to where you know, they have upgraded it where they can transcend boundaries and I was just mostly confined in certain situations, certain zones, certain locations. But there were some great civilizations in Africa. Our uh, housing construction, I understand, is houses back south. The shotgun houses came out of Africa. Then, of course, you have Timbuktu, where you have things that are 200 years old, I mean, 2000 years old, you have Egypt, you have uh, Zimbabwe, where they, I want to say, in the first real sharp instrument that they could use to make, to do operations or even suck disease out of the body. There's a higher level of civilization that uh, some Westerners it would take for a long time to understand how did that happen. Was it from that we are aliens, I would say, that we mm-hmm. came out of Outer space, <laughs> out of space and, and with certain level of knowledge or maybe the spirits out of space gave us the knowledge of visiting us and introduced us, introduced us to these things or educated us. It's still a mystery today. Because some of those images that they created are very important today. For sure.
2: And what advice could you give to young children as you stated you came out of the bush, you came out of the village at a very young age, nine, did you say? Mm. Those who are now just aspiring for the Western world, they probably like you are mesmerized, if you will, by what they see on television, what they hear. In the news and all of these things that they want to come and experience the Western ways, but this true wealth of our culture of our civilization is still, it's still in the bush, it's still in that sacred knowledge that you know we may run away from or discount in our youth, but now as you you know in in your as you mature, you realize the value of that. So, what mm-hmm. could you, advice could you give to young people?
0: I would say love yourself first, love your culture, love your tradition, and embrace it as part of your formation. And it starts with names. Like when I went to school, my birth name in my culture when you are born, the elders give you a name. So my birth name was Bulu, and then some of the elders, my aunts, gave me Bano Park, Biakbiak, and other names. But then when, when you go to a secret society, it's considered to be reborn. So when you come out, they give you another birth name, your rebirth name, and that name is Sangbe. That's the only name you go followed with other than the elders, who are much older than you and know you can call you with the old names. So Sangbe became my name. Then when, when I went to school, I got to be called Patrick because... <laughs> And I've carried on uh, ever since, and I have not dropped it, but sometimes I've signed a documented piece, Singbe Wutu, because... What
2: so does it mean?
0: Singbe Reflections of Iraq. And it's a name that is common in West Africa, but they spell it in different formats in different countries. Like, some people, if you know star. If you ever watched that? There's a Singbe in it, but they call oh. it Singe. Yeah, he's from Mexico, like Sierra Leone. But then he finds Sengbe. Sengbe, Sengbe variations in Ghana, Cameroon, across West Africa. So it starts with your name. Go back to the traditional name. You don't want to lose your culture. And my projection is that in 25 to 30 years, most of the culture and The smaller cultures in Africa will be lost if we don't begin to honor and protect and uh, preserve them.
3: America has been the world's premier marketplace since the transatlantic slave trade generated the most free wealth the world has ever seen. People from all over the globe have been traveling to America to make money to send back home while those born on American soil are being seen around the world as misinformed or even cultureless. The identity crisis facing Americans is apparent as our population struggles to cope with life through various forms of distractions and self-medication. These are all symptoms of the real problem, which is a lack of culture and values. Since the dawn of civilization, knowledge to guide the human being through the experience of life has been developed and passed down through initiatic education. The Dogon temples of West Africa that have preserved the world's oldest mystery school education have brought their secret society initiations to Chicago. The Umtam temples of the Kebta offer education in language, history, natural and spiritual principles, and healing. Attend our info session on September 10th at 2pm to find out more. Call 773-359-4160 for more information, or follow the link to pre-register for classes. The
0: may are very powerful. Because uh, in many cultures in Africa, the names kind of projects what you're in like. And the Nigerians are more famous for that. They give you a name that tells you what you're going to be. And if you study names across the world, you see people tend to become what their names mean. And so that's the first part. Second part, I don't care what school you go to how much education, western education you have on your, your own traditional education. I see a show on TV and they get afraid an and they drive people in the jungle somewhere and they don't know what to do to so. But growing up in my own tradition, in my own culture, in my own location where you basically were in the forest, if you drop me in, in that way, I'll find a way to survive. I know how to set traps. I know how to hunt. I can do a lot of things that will make me survive. Maybe just depend on what you know today, or what you learn in school today. Maybe there'll be situations that will challenge you, and and issue on your tradition. You should always go back to your source. Many people have left the villages that were now born in cities and don't go back. To the interior to study or know what, where they came from. I think it's important to always be connected to your source, to your tradition. And of course, uh, the family is very important. You should honor your family, you should honor, especially the elders. They have experiences, even in a culture that takes that's very volatile and violent today. But if the case the younger people were to listen to older people, maybe it might mitigate or soften the kind of situation we are in today. All this violence 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have that. And why didn't we have it? Maybe if the younger people talk to the older people, but maybe it in that way. Maybe they will try to image it, what was, and maybe project that to the future. And of course, you love yourself, love family, love every human being, every living creature in the world. I'm not a vegetarian, oh, I eat it. I'll kill oh, a chicken and eat it. I'll kill a goat and eat it. But they are creatures that kind of make life, sustain life, that we don't know what the creator design is, but the fact that we are here and doing all of these things means that we are all the same, we are all integrated into one form that came from somewhere. And that form could be that we are just one single living element. And everything we do or not do is all related to how we Survive in this world, of how we can maintain some level of uh, sense for the earth to survive and move forward with uh, the next few generations. Because uh, we are destroying it so fast that I don't know if hundred years will. I understand why uh, the Western world is trying to build a colony on the moon.
1: Yeah.
0: But the moon will be difficult for all to take human beings, because now we are, what, 7 billion people? He, <laughs> he. so we far. We're not expecting all of us to survive. Right. And we need to figure out how to protect, how, how concerned to have to be a, a beautiful garden. If you go back in time and see what it was like, all the things that were given to us to survive. that with in my village, I didn't have to grow things. I go, go in the forest and, and harvest all kinds of okay. things to eat. Uh, we used grow as young boys in the village and just gather nuts. I just, it's summertime, we'll call the dry season We have all kinds of nuts, we just pick them and make these big baskets and put them in there and bring them to the village. We go swimming and catch fish, We catch all kinds of animals, and just some of them would roast right there and eat it while we play in the forest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I understand Lake Michigan was beautiful just like that. You go to the West. I, I was looking at a story about the Native Americans in that area, how they could survive, and didn't have to really be farmers. But then the government took the land away from them, and and stop them from trying to live the traditional life. So we have to better to protect the earth and what was given to us and try to rebuild that which is very difficult in today's world. That many people don't really care.
1: Well, we did want to talk to you a little bit about the festival too. I'm glad we got to talk about all these things. We did have one more question about Africa in general. What do you think about some of the movements that's going on, like the the revolution they had in Niger recently or in um, Burkina Faso and Mali and these type of things? have any comment on that?
0: I'm very much troubled by Africa. I don't know where Africa is going. It's very disturbing that after four or five hundred years, we still have other people coming from outside Africa and used to get in troubles that decivilize Africa. Why should we always look up to other people to, for stability or for things where we can control some of the things we have? I understand the situation in Niger, um, even though it might have been done by people, the inside, but I think they are also looking on the outside. As of the uranium that has been mined today, or in terms of kicking the French out and bringing the Russians in, why would you need all that? You need to find a way how to sustain your own culture, your own country, and not depend on your bringing things, so extract straight from you basically they turn you into another former slave. Mm. And it's very troubling for me. I, I don't I don't see an answer because now it's going through this phase in the sixties it was about self determination and today it's about greed, I think. Mm. You know, the people in power they they join forces with these different people, like right? they Congo, they have all their wealth. But then they'll listen to one or two people who can say, Oh, I, I can extract this and you'll make millions. Mm-hmm. But then the millions not going to exactly. benefit the people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a troubling fact for us today that we, we are still down and we let our peers just misuse us and take the resources. When I look at black people around the world, sounds... and they are in almost every country. Mm-hmm. If you look at documentations that have been done today, black people are in every country. But their conditions are basically the same. They are mostly at the bottom of society. Mm-hmm. Can we look a way out of that to com- combine our creativity, combine our own ingenuity, combine political thinking, to see how we can come together and rise up instead of being at the bottom of every country. It's very disturbing to me. And in Africa, which is the base and home of Black people, with lots of resources, they should be one to really lead way. So we have bringing black people together and collaborate and do things to liberate us. We think we have liberation, but we are now basically a new form of slavery. Yes. And economic liberation might be powerful, but most of the culture might be the way to to bring us together and lead the way. So Africa is very, right now, it's very troubling for me and uh, I don't think the Chinese are answer. I don't think the Russians are answer. I don't think anybody outside Africa is the answer. Mm-hmm. I think we have to look inside and begin to build our own society based on our own values and our own resources. We now know what the Western powers want, and we know we might not have all the money to buy that technology, but we can start at some level just doing our own thing and, and raising ourselves in a way that, of course, the Western powers are very dangerous. If you try to isolate yourself, they can come with their equipment and power, and uh, it affords you to do other things. So, I don't know. Uh, at my age, it's troubling, and I have no answer, really. Yeah, we are honored and appreciate the uh, collaboration with the Earth Center. I, I knew Nabo when he came to Chicago, we'd work together. He was always part of the African festival. And I'm happy that he left a dedicated group behind, who carry his message forward as well as his teachings and his value for the traditional culture. And I'm happy you guys are doing some good work, because I know some of the people you've taken to Africa. Mm-hmm and they come back with wonderful news, and wonderful documentation, and the traditional herbs you provide, and so the people are fairly important. And those are things we should promote, we should continue to promote. So, I say congrats, congratulations to you guys for honoring Naba and carry his tradition, I mean, his education and value forward. You we know, pray we'll continue to work together and make our community, we power our community to honor and know about their own souls, where they came from in Africa, and what are the important things in life. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I was going to say too, that's where I met Master Not who is at the African post. That's the first time I saw him in person.
0: Okay, yeah. So that's part of our impact. Yeah. yeah. We bring people together. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, on the lighter side meet people, in fact, somebody just sent me uh, a text message yesterday. Say, Oh, I'm so happy you're bringing Freddie Jackson back. Yeah. So that's right that's the day when he performed a festival. That's when I met my wife. <laughs> wow. And uh so many people say, Oh, I met my partner at the festival. Yeah. So yeah. that's the lighter side of it. And but yeah, through it like goes big reunion. It's yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great uh, reunion for all of us. And mm-hmm. some of the, the outgrowth is there every Sunday. the Earth Center. growth is people actually making families here in Africa. Mm-hmm. Part of that is, is sending like, people taking the idea to the African festival, celebrating African people mm-hmm. to different mm-hmm. cities. And so we appreciate uh, what's happened over the last 34 years. Okay. Next year will be the dead of fifth. We hope it will be a grand celebration, yeah. a grand reunion. Yes. Yeah. And so we appreciate every Sunday and congratulations on your own space. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're That's actually celebrating, going to be celebrating this year our 25th
1: year since the yeah. Earth Center was founded in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate
0: now, but uh, we, we joined the ancestors, but it's good that like, he left a good, strong legacy like behind. Has been followed. We, and
2: how do you continue your legacy? What are you doing to mm-hmm. ensure that this continues?
0: Yeah, I don't know. we <laughs> we're trying to find some dedicated young people. The young man saw that TJ. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's trying to put together a group. They can take over now. My intention is really i um, I've gotten old and tired and broken down. And my intention is to spend some time back in Liberia, where I'm from. Good. And they spend the, the Chicago winter months in Liberia. True. And when it's a rainy season there, I want to be in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago is a very beautiful city I always want to be connected. I'm even trying to create a base there. We, where I come from, we, he used to in w- the whole area. In fact, my great great grandfather, when the place was called Kingdom, and he was head of that kingdom, the land he he controlled was like one fourth of Liberia. But my village has strong to where I'm trying to hold like 450 acres out of. Out of Millions of acres, uh, but in addition to that, I've added some more acres to, to the family land that uh, we can have a space to survive and uh, live and eat. It's not in the village inside, it's not too far. It's within the region. And uh, there's they no road going there, so at some point I have to try to build a road. When I tell them, they road through our village and even beyond was built by human power. Mm-hmm. They can imagine it. Every time I say that I road, a think of the yellow machine or the white man's power. Mm-hmm. Then I say, the pyramids of where were human being. Mm-hmm. The Great Walls of China, they, all the major developments of ancient times. We don't know about the technology back then, mm-hmm. but I imagine were based on human power. Mm-hmm. So that whatever happens within my time and I me, mean, it's uh, really happening but at least they will have a place. Mm-hmm. Best just for the... Right now, they have, in addition to the 450 acres in the village, and they have 150 plus, eight, plus 900 other acres that have managed to secure When uh,
2: This is your... F- Village has secured this?
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, near, near my village. Yeah. So, my families, they were to make farms and do mm-hmm. other things to survive. Mm-hmm. But again, when cool. they were to make the farms, they plant trees. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I told them, don't plant rubber or coffee or bomb because that takes the land completely away from your people. But, they can plant the avocado, bananas, plantains, pineapples, and stuff like that. But how many more years I have, once I'm coming, they will do whatever they want to do. They might even sell the land or the help government
2: people. will say, you need to do this distance, and yeah. they'll get one us.
0: It's That's the same theory. story that the European powers have planted around the world where they came in. Even the Native Americans, who were land, after they came down and settled, sold, and they went back and started taking it from them. Gradually, to where they squeeze into a small pocket. And that kind of model is all throughout the world. Like grew the way I came from. The people from the city came and took land and took land. And now, knowing that we need a place to live and eat. And when they take the land, they don't produce food, they produce rubber, which is controlled by outside forces. Do coffee that's controlled by outside forces to the pond, that's control. So we are enslaving ourselves to forces that we have no control. And I tell my pure girl food, you have control with it. And they saw and an example this year where sometimes a the year there's no rice in a whole country. Yeah. Well luckily they had grown some rice the year before. So that's a the rice they process and hid during that
2: period.
0: <laughs> and I hope that's a lesson, but then our minds been colonized again where we think to grow rice we need all these Western mm-hmm. ways of doing uh, mm-hmm. it. They mm-hmm. need the big machines. Mm-hmm. And then you need fertilizers which we don't control. And then you have all these people there who don't have anything to do. You're they right. don't have work. Like, you know, yeah, and people, they rather sit down and do nothing yeah. and, and beg you to eat.
1: And then there's like, how can um, I get you, to America? That's the only thing that they have I Then, you know,
0: when my people ask me, I say, America is not a place for you. Don't mm-hmm. come to yourself. And, mm-hmm. I mean, but those who came, they came out of the village and they didn't have they educate I me. Mean, some of them have done very well, so I'm beginning to change my thinking. But if you can come, maybe you'll be lucky and then and survive. So but it can't be the dream. It can't, I, be the dream can't, stop it can't be the dream for everybody
1: It can't be the dream for everybody to do. You know, no, it can't. Some people can do it, but not, not, right. not everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody. We need people over there to Right. You know, it's like, what's, I think there's not really so much of a thought. The collective concern what's going to be good for the whole is just like what I want to be. The right.
0: individualistic yeah. thinking is yeah. you know. All the individual, i family, i going to yeah. be nice, but individual. Because
2: I'm sure even your parents have the idea that we send our son to go and do this, and then you're going to help support. You'll, you'll come and back and, and exactly. help the family. And that's what I would imagine the thought process would be. But it's so easy to get over here and get caught up in the Western ways and you forget all of that. You're right. You don't go back if, home. If deep you don't not with and not just about said, the Farming and the livelihood and the well being of back and, home.
0: Then you have kids over here, I forget. And when I left the village and went through mission schools and, and stuff, then I ended up in the city and my first year of high school, the school fee was $15. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't get it from the mm-hmm. city. So I went back to the village and one of my aunts had a husband who was very industrious. He made all kinds of stuff to make money. And then he came out with the $15. Wait. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he told me, well, he came out with some of the money and my father had coffee farm. He gave me the coffee to go mm-hmm. sell. Him. But this, this husband and my aunt said, what we are doing for you is not really for you. It's to make you to be a big tree that can create shadow for others to grow. Mm-hmm. So now, when I send relatives to school, base school, I tell them the same thing. I said, this is what one of my uncles says. If people did not do for me, help me out in life, I wouldn't be able to help you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah! Wow! What a great interview.
2: That was great.
0: I mean, you know,
1: we've been dealing with with Brother Singbay. I, I keep having to remind myself not to call him Patrick. You let us know his name is Bay now. He's only this is like the, my first time. I don't know. I might have heard that before. It's possible, but yeah. I was like, oh, he. Had, you know, this is
2: your traditional name. Yeah, I mean, didn't know it after all these years,
1: and it even his initiated name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's great to, it's great to also hear so much about his perspective, his upgrade, bringing his background, things that we never heard before. You know, you just see him coming and going from the African, you know, African-fest stuff that we do, but this is the first time really getting to hear about where he's coming from. But we are going to circle back and touch on a couple topics that came out of the interview. You know, he was talking about the African masks and the preservation of the African mask, And one of the things that... During the interview, we wish that we had really, you know, talked to him more about, but we want to come back and, you know, address this issue is that at the same time, while you have, I mean, let's f- face it, the European influence coming in and, <clears throat> you know, showing a value for preserving those maps, those artifacts with sacred objects, as we really know them to be preserving those sa- sacred objects and living rooms and blah, 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 blah. it's more important to have the ability to continue to make those objects and continue to do those ceremonies and continue to, you know, even if a mask has to disintegrate in the process of like 10 years, that's not a problem because you always have more wood and more trees and all the materials you need to make it again.
2: Absolutely. And even that's the initiatic process. As the new initiates coming in, they have the opportunity to redo and revisit all of those ceremonies and processes that are put into place. But to say they need to be preserved by the colonial system and the museum, and that was like a good thing, you know, good for who? you know, that's uh, the bottom line.
1: The, the more serious issue is, you know, the survival and the perpetuation of the culture, and the ceremony the ceremonies themselves because if those aren't being preserved what's the value of having it in the museum if no one knows what it's for
2: absolutely you know these societies that that now have the western influence so deeply embedded in everything that they do you know it's, it's easier i would imagine to put your culture to the side because now you're trying to keep up with the western world and that to me is the you know Disappointing thing that we see.
1: Happen. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that's really breaking my heart.
2: Yeah.
1: Having been over there and seeing the degree to which people are just enamored with the Western lifestyle, <laughs> wanting to get to a city so they can somehow get a ticket to get to to uh, the West. Mm-hmm. If they if they can get to Europe, if they can get to uh, the United States. You know, and you hear a lot about a lot of migrants. I just saw something I was, you know, right before we started recording, I just saw something where 60 people were presumed dead who were trying to, who were out in the Atlantic ocean with a canoe, Mm -hmm. in a canoe, 60 people in a canoe in the Atlantic. I don't know where they were trying to go, but they found the canoe washed up on Cape Verde. Mm -hmm. And then the people who were aboard there presumed dead, you know? Why will you be trying to desperately escape? The part that's like just wild, you know, is mind-boggling. You think about slavery, okay? Nobody in Africa wanted, people in Africa did not want to leave Africa. That's why they had to be chased down, captured, and sold, you know, because nobody wanted to leave, you know? They could have just came up on boats and said, hey, we got a free... (laughs) <laughs> you get a free ticket to go to America, you know, nowadays people are busting down the doors, mm-hmm. you know, going through, you know, I was talking to a lady during one of these, during the Fest, and she, she was with the organization that helps migrant Africans. in. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have come across the Mexico border and she was saying they see horrible Mm things, like horrible things, you know, dead bodies on the wayside, people losing family members, trying to make me here. You know, it's, it's tragic. And the, what, like I said, it's mind boggling how things have changed in 500 years to where people are trying, are risking their lives, trying to get over here, maybe in a way that's more, more dangerous than going on a slave ship. I mean, what? What are we doing? What are we dealing with?
2: It's really, to me, I see it like a double-edged sword because obviously for someone to risk their life to get on a boat with 59 other people, you're running from something. Right? You think that whatever is on the other side is better than what I'm dealing with mm-hmm. right here. And you would risk getting on a boat with 59 other people to cross the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. That, to me scares me in and of itself but at the same time as what you're saying you don't recognize what you're going to have to do when you get here and that's the the piece that people miss mistake whereas now you see these immigrant people who may have to live with 14 people in a one-bedroom apartment because they are just really trying to survive and to make ends meet Is that better than what they left? Perhaps. But at the same time, why can't their country or wherever their origins are, why can't that be improved as opposed to all of this mass exodus to somewhere that's worse than where you're working from? Like rebuild your home as we're trying to do. Go back to our homelands and rebuild.
1: And at the same time, while we're over there trying to like get what they what they preserve, you have so many people there running from it, which is just you know, it's it's such a wild situation. Yes. I mean, this thing called life is just never ceases to my but I mean so many things we could talk about just from there. I mean what I remember I was reading seeing a Chinese doctor talking about he was harvesting organs from this living person, he was cutting out his kidneys and eyes in the back of a van. And, and it, you know, you were telling me what, like, it makes you wonder what happens to all these missing people that we hear about, you <laughs> know, I just passed by this mural that they have for that poster, postal worker who had been missing for years <laughs> on 79th street. It's, it's wild how many people are going missing. And you wonder about these migrants too, like how many migrants are being sold into this kind of organ organ harvesting trade sex trafficking and all this stuff is going on and people don't know what they're going into i mean i'm sure some people are fleeing persecution in different like really bad situations sure. but you have some people who are just desperate because they feel like they're tired of being poor they want to go make it to this land of milk and honey i know this brother that i've been chatting with from Togo for years and he's got a wife and two kids and he's been staying in mauritania because he keeps Try, he was in senegal and he's in mauritania trying to make more money now he's trying to go to algeria and he's like trying to cross the desert with his desert with his wife and two young children to get to algeria sometime, somewhere to find work i'm like who do you know where right. you know there he's like nope, no nobody you know and he's calling me for money because he's stuck somewhere in the desert you know he didn't have he's not fleeing mm. civil war he, you know what I mean? He's not a refugee. He's just desperate. You know, and I think a lot of people fall into that category when it comes to you know in Africa. And he just wanted like there. There's a brother also. I was at a celebration for the Burkina Faso Independence Day. I was talking to one brother, and he said when he goes back, you know, he's got had people asking him to help him get over there. They said he's got, they they'll give him twenty thousand dollars. He. And he was like, brother, if you can get $20,000 here, if you can manage to save up $20,000, stay here. Because if you go over there, there's no guarantee you'll be able to make $20,000 to save it.
2: Absolutely. And you'll lose that or spend that in a half a year without missing a beat. Easily.
1: So, you know. The, these are the things we're dealing with. So we're hoping that we can kind of shine some light. Like and, and I, I hear Patrick, I mean, Singbay and his concerns about trading one colonizer for another. Like, it's not, you're not going to try to get rid of the fence and then think that the Russians are going to be the ones to save you. And I understand that perspective and I definitely respect that perspective because if you're just in a dependent situation or coming to the stage of, you know, one country to another and you come in just as a beggar, you know, even if the person didn't start off taking advantage of you, who's to say the next person after Putin is gonna, isn't gonna take, isn't gonna take advantage of the situation, if they have all the leverage in the situation, who's to say that this won't end up just as bad as the situation with the French or worse, who knows, you know, so I was really wanted to emphasize, you know, my wish to see, like building you know focusing on building what belongs to us like pat patrick really you know i like that he really emphasized value your own culture you know even if you have to deal with the western culture value your own culture you know make sure you invest yourself in that too because african culture has a lot to offer you know like he was just talking about he can survive anywhere uh You drop him in a forest, he can survive, he knows how to do all that, you know, just survival, you know, but that's not even talking about the spiritual side of things, you know, he may have left Africa when he was nine, but he still got that background of knowing the history, knowing the ceremonies, knowing, you know, the spiritual aspect of things, the divine essence thing, and that's a value that Africa has that a lot of other places don't have, and that's why regardless of how much opulence, how much material abundance people are able to accumulate, Mm -hmm. you know, they end up still having these issues with depression, drug use, suicide, because the cultural component is not there. So what Africa has as the values of the world, if you feel like, if, if in Africa, people are feeling like, okay, they want what other people have that's coming from China, what's coming from America, it's coming from Europe. You know, you have to have something or value that they need that you have as an exchange, you know, and, and I think the more that people in Africa can value what they have culturally, what they have material, what they have knowledge-wise, you know, then, then that focus can become, let's produce what we can call our own. And what other people can't lay claim to, and then we have something on the world's taste. That's it.
2: Absolutely. And they already have it. Little do they know. And that's I the thought. piece that's missing. That little do they know. They already have the gold at their feet. Yeah. They already have the diamond it's that they're already
1: feet- there. But it's like you will step over that and run towards what somebody else has that
2: over you're running yeah. for paper dollars. You're right. running for something that has no intangible value for what you already have that has tangible connected to it because you have land. But right. like how many people can have, you know, go into your garden and and feed yourself for the day, right. feed yourself for the month. You know, you don't have to go to a grocery store. How many of us can, can say that? Right. You know, even for when we have a small garden, it's like you still have to supplement all of your food for the entire year just to feed yourself. So these people who have The ability to sustain themselves just from their own land, just from their own sweat, their own physical efforts, that's priceless. Right. And that's the part where humanity has to wake up and to recognize and not to say that the political powers that be, they know that. Right. And that's why they've capitalized and that's why they have colonized and that's why they have cut up Medita and claimed a piece of it for themselves. And it's like, why does little bitty Europe have dominance over this entire landmass, not just in Maritime, but all around the world? Why are they the dominant force in all of that?
1: In Maritana, if you see them in the city, you ask them where is their village. They can tell you where their village <laughs> is. They can tell you where their people are. They can tell you where they have some place out in the countryside where people are taking care of their thing. Uh physically spiritually they always have some place to go sure and at, at one time black people in america had something similar i mean in in so far as having access to land mm-hmm. where you could go send your kids to some to the south. south for the summer mm-hmm. you know we no longer have that you know that's why when i hear about a montgomery riot mm-hmm. their brawl brawl not a riot, but the brawl thing it's like you know taken so much pride in that like we've overcome and we've made so much progress but where is that land that our people used to have you know where what do we really have as a people that we can go and show for to say we as a people have made progress other than oh we beat up some white handful of white people you know
2: but we sold it for that paper that's what it is it's it's like the to work land to farm to build and do things by your own sweat integrity and that is difficult. It's People difficult. don't want that. They want the easy way. And and I'll say myself included, I, I am still struggling with those whole components that it's like to really like free yourself from the colonial construct. You have to be willing to work. You have to be willing to sweat. You have to be able to sacrifice all the comforts that we're so accustomed to and that's where it's very difficult for people
1: who knows maybe at some point we'll wake up to the fact that like this place here you know we don't really have a place to call our home maybe if even if some of our ancestors and everything was indigenous to this land that we like to talk about nowadays that we don't have we don't have that land now and we're not functioning like indigenous people at all you know so if we want to reconnect with something that that belongs to us you know africa is still there they ready for us to come home. They they waiting they happy to receive us and everything you know
2: absolutely absolutely but you have to go and be willing to wear sweats and and get in the game with them
1: and and be humble and learn not coming like you jesus uh coming down from the heavens you know uh to save the poor Africans, you know what have you is really it really requires a humility to be able to say you know everything I've built my whole life on, I don't know how valuable it, is. and now I'm seeing something that I can take value in, but I don't know anything about it i don't have I don't have any leverage here, you know it's a weak position to be, in, yes, but you, you can't build a house. On no foundation. Mm-hmm. And if you built a house on no foundation, all it takes is a little shake and then it's going to fall down. You so, know, keep investing on yourself. We keep investing yeah. ourselves in things that are not sustainable, as things that are not lasting. Because we think we've already put so much energy into it that we can't afford to walk away. You know, but then we never give attention to those things that are so necessary and vital for our lives. So, so we keep losing well, Master Nava used to always say, "If you always fight the when you fight the wrong battles, you always end up on losing."
3: Yeah, so absolutely.
1: Well, any last thoughts for
2: me? Well, as you stated, this dialogue could really go on and on when you think about what we've given up. And how we're still in, always on the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. But it's because we have just submitted to this system and we're just trying to find our place at the table when the table hasn't been set up for us to eat. It's always been set up for us to eat the crumbs.
1: And we kind of always come to get crumbs from somebody else's table. We don't have our own table. It's easy for us to build our own table.
2: Yes, if we go back home. Uh-huh. If we go back home and if, as you stated, A table is there ready for us if we're willing to go. And even if you just take a trip, go and see for yourself. Don't listen to what the news is telling you about what home is. You need to go with people who know the culture, not going to meditate as a tourist, not going to kick your feet up, not going to just look around. But actually, like, to go and live with the people who have been preserving culture for thousands and thousands of years, it's priceless. And like you said, it's very humbling. It's very educational. Even if you don't decide that you want to live there, you know, full time, just go and experience it for yourself and and get it. Get the get the true story for yourself.
1: Yeah, that's why. And I'd be remiss if I didn't come back and again, thank Baba Singbe, Patrick. Winter for uh, joining us today and especially thank him for all his dedication to keeping this festival, African Festival of the Arts going for now 34 years. I mean, it's an accomplishment and I think we sometimes take for granted that we get this little taste of Africa every year. In a place where everything has kinda of set us up to take us away from anything that's about effort. Easy. We now have that. We it's something that we can take pride in. We we should really make sure we value that. Absolutely. And uh, thanks again, Brother Singhbei. Man, I keep having to like cash price out. Thank you so much and uh, best wishes and wishes for many more years. And you know, but if you feel like it's something that's valuable, especially if you're a young person like us. You know, know, see how you can get involved, you know, there, cause they're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for people who can help with different duties. You know, it's something that's, I'm really coming to more of an appreciation of how much work it must take Mm -hmm. to put that thing together Yes, for something that. I don't think really is something they can, they make a lot of money doing, you know what I mean? I don't, I really don't think they make a lot of money doing it. And it's a, it's, it's a labor of love for a lot of people. And as they have a dedicated staff, when you go to their office, they have a lot of people who's there, especially this time of year, who's putting in work, man, big, long hours trying to keep this thing going. So it's a big production and I don't know if they get paid, if they don't get paid, they deserve to get paid, you know? And uh, people are always talking about, well, it costs too much to get in. But, you know, the, if you see the inner workings of it, you see, it's is something worth valuing and contributing to.
2: Absolutely. And even if you don't live in Chicago, even if you cannot attend the African Fest, you can still donate because we value what they are doing. Like you said, to be doing this for 34 years, I'm sure he has gone into some difficult financial positions mm-hmm. to ensure sure that this festival continues because to rent out the space where they're located yeah that's not cheap you know they're not giving that space away the city of chicago wants to be they'll be getting getting paid first and foremost whether the african fest is a success or not right so donate buy a ticket and give it to someone make sure the african fest continues for another 30, 40, 50 years.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, when you go to the African Fest, remember there's a whole Africa still for you to see and don't yeah. just think that, like, you know, just cause he came to the African Fest, it's not go, it's no more going to Africa than going to Chinatown is going to China, you know, you, you, ha- you have to see it for yourself, but at least let it be like uh, a doorway to step through, you know, I look at the opportunities like this as a doorway to to show the value of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't just get the value of something and say, uh, oh, I'm going to just keep looking at this thing that helps me have value in it without going to see the things, the places.
2: Yes, because the African fast as we love it so dearly, you also have to even go with that, with trying to learn something. Mm-hmm. Don't go there just to buy some cute jewelry or some shea butter or some mask or what have you. Go there to really try to learn something. And we encourage you that you have to come to the Kep Earth Center booth because we are going to be educating people about all the things that we're talking about today and so much more because it's like the continent is just bursting, bursting with value, with wealth, with resources, with opportunity that we can take of to rebuild our families, rebuild our communities mm-hmm. and give something back to the next generation because if we don't make that investment in the next generation who's going to do it Mm -hmm. if we're waiting on a politician to take care of our children and our children's children good luck with that we have to be the ones to take the the front seat and the driver's seat in all of that and learning about our culture reinvesting in our culture and the principles and values that they have been preserving it's it's really just priceless
1: I don't know what better note to end on than that. So once again, this has been the Sunnyside podcast, Sunnyside Chicago podcast. And as always, keep in mind that the sun never sets. It's man who moves away from the light. So let's keep moving towards the light, towards the sunny side. Who said that? Master
2: Noble. Oh, okay. I'm just checking.
1: <laughs> the All right.
0: Peace, everybody
2: life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street